Listening Dog Media. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. Go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Marini's Media. Hello and a warm welcome to the Offside Rule with Football Manager. I'm Kate Borsay. Hello and alongside me, well, is there anything this busy bee isn't doing right now? It's the multitasking, multi-talented Lindsay Hooper. And with us, does she have a fully constructed summer house yet? That's the burning question for me. It's Hayley McQueen. Hi, both. Hello. How, Hi. how am I so busy? You are doing a lot at the moment, aren't you? Which is great, isn't it, in lockdown? I know you're busy recording various projects and getting involved in lots of different things. Well, yes, apart from everything obviously stopped on the 13th of March. So I, I do have a couple of projects, but I wouldn't call this my busiest. I would call, oh, it, okay. I would call it me just trying to be productive. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Talking of um, productivity, how's the other half doing with the giant mahoosive summer house that when we last spoke to you uh, just looked like quite a few planks of wood, Hayley? Mm-hmm. The planks of wood are now a fully formed garden house. So the exterior is built there's a front door there's a window there's even a bit of decking and now we are basically sorting out the inside we're making a big storeroom which has got me very excited because I can put all my junk from the attic and the rest of my house into this big store cupboard at the bottom of the garden and forget about it so it's not a summer house it's effectively Mm. a junk cupboard that's exactly it yeah a very expensive junk cupboard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You've got to make the most of it. I um, I spotted my neighbour earlier, just, just caught his eye, looking perplexed, staring at a piece of white paper with a bit of writing on it and looking at some kids' gymnasium wooden-type structure that he was trying to put together. And I thought, 
Kurt Haley's other half needs to head over there, doesn't he? Uh, so yeah, lots and lots of DIY going on all over the place. Um, have you been DIYing, Lindsay? Have you made any any home improvements? Not since we made the bookshelf um, that we put together a few weeks ago. However, there is an impending wardrobe delivery due Ooh, any day exciting. and needs putting together. There will be some debate as to who uses which bit of the wardrobe, I'm sure. Who does the wardrobe belong to? How much of a percentage of the wardrobe oh, do I get you 90%. each get? Okay, good. You've bagged it. <laughs> of course, uh, we are still in lockdown um, getting excited as per last week's show, really, with the impending arrival of the Premier League. Lindsay, I know the last time we spoke, you dusted off your jacket. Hayley, you're preparing to return back to work too. Any more developments from either of you? Well, yes. So I will be heading back in, oh, goodness me, just over a week's time. So Sunday the 14th, which is great because it means just as I get back, it'll start to kind of ramp up with the uh, build up to the kickoff of the uh, resumption of the Premier League. So very excited about that. So at least I'll be heading back to work to kind of report on something as opposed to sit around wondering what on earth I'm going to do and just have my two thumbs to twiddle for hours on end. (laughs) No news for me yet on specific matches, so I'm waiting to find out about those for both the BBC and Premier League. But um, the main show that I work on for the Premier League, that returns from the 18th of June. So I imagine I will be going out to do bits for my contracted days for those. But there's so much to cram in that everything's changed slightly. So we've gone from three shows a day to one one hour show. Um, And I think there will be changes like that across the board to try and factor in all of these fixtures. Yes. Yeah. And of course, some of the fixtures free to wear on the BBC too. So exciting times ahead and a time really to talk about engagement within the game, getting kids involved with the game as well as people who can't necessarily afford um, a football package via Sky Sports or BT Sports or wherever they get their football. Um, Some of the news lines around then, let's just update uh, as to some of the main talking points uh, since we last spoke. Uh, The Championship have announced that that June 20th will be their restart date. Uh, A lot of clubs not happy, though, at such a short turnaround, with some players saying they'll refuse to play for fear of injury, not enough time for them to prepare. Um, Tottenham have had one positive COVID-19 test in the latest round of testing by the Premier League. That person will now isolate for seven days. In the Championship, nine people at six clubs have tested positive. Uh, We know that Preston, Huddersfield and Sheffield Wednesday have confirmed that they each have one person in that count. Meanwhile, the Athletic understand that the FA are having a board meeting on Thursday night, so that's this evening as we record this, to decide the fates of the Women's Super League. Uh, So uh, you may well know the answer to that one right now if you're listening. Uh, One of the shows that I have been working on, Kate, is called The Show Must Go On. Now, people can find that on podcasts, platforms, wherever you get yours. And next week, we have Lucy Bronze and Leah Williamson. And they've been talking about their respective seasons ending, Phil Neville's departure next summer and possible replacements. So if you like your women's football, check that out. Check it out. Available via Union Jack Radio and um, as a podcast too, The Show Must Go On. All right. Well, coming up in our show today, um, have you ever mistaken gravy granules for coffee girls no uh, well it turns out that Owen Cole has so in the spirit of uh, revealing facepalm moments uh, we're going to reveal some of our sillier moments too 
And would you believe it, it was the 200th anniversary of Sheffield Wednesday this week. Well, the cricket club that spawned the Owls anyway. Uh, But why are they called Wednesday and where do other clubs get their more peculiar sounding names from? Uh, We're going to be finding out much more later on. And don't forget, you can hear us on Jack Radio every Friday at four o'clock. Now, before we get into the show, there's really only been one story, uh, one movement that has got people talking and thinking and pledging to do better over the last 10 days or so. The death of George Floyd has sparked protests across America, the UK and other countries too, as people speak out against institutionalised racism and support the Black Lives Matter movement. Across social media and on the pitch, We've seen footballers speaking out too, haven't we, and challenging an issue uh, that needs sport to step up and play its part in trying to fix too. And what's been nice from my point of view, I suppose, is a lot of the voices speaking out are younger players as well, Hayley. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we've got social media where we can highlight um, various issues, this one being huge at the moment, and educate people as well. We'd seen in the Bundesliga over the weekend in their games that um, there were many players who were coming together and and really taking a moment to think about George Floyd and what it means for um, greater humanity, really, and, and how we're all to come together that's what football's all about togetherness we play together they you know they're teammates they act as a unit it doesn't matter what skin color you are what religion you are where you come from Jaden Sancho as well of course um, who's playing out in Germany um he was chatting about how great the performance was for his team he's had a, a million likes on his Instagram page to say you know delighted to get my first career hat trick but a bittersweet moment personally there are more important things going on in the world today that we must address and help make a change we shouldn't fear speaking out for what's right we have come together as one and fight for justice we are strong together and there's that hashtag justice for George Floyd um, Marcus Taram as well together is how we move forward together is how we make a change so it's very much about uh, togetherness and FIFA have come out as well to urge organisers of well the various leagues in particular the Bundesliga to use a bit of common sense if some of these players are of course displaying hashtags on t-shirts we know Footballers, of course, being punished, haven't we, as well before, sanctioned for supporting political causes or anything like this. But I think now is the time that we realise something has to be done. Um, we've seen a lot of players, of course, in, in England, Raheem Sterling being one of those, a victim of uh, racism and quite a few as well quite recently. And it's got to the it's got to the point now where they're all coming together to say, look, enough is enough. Lindsay. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, DeAndre Yedlin is another player, um, an American player playing in the Premier League for Newcastle United. And um, he took to social media as well. He said a couple of days after George Floyd's death, my grandfather texted me and told me he's glad that I'm not living in the US right now because he would fear for my life as a young black man. As days have passed, this text from my grandfather has not been able to leave my mind. Now, this continues on for a few different tweets, but he points out that his granddad was born in 1946 and 70 years later he still Mm. feels the same and I think this is what's summing up everyone's thoughts at the moment is that there needs to be a titanic seismic shift now it hasn't Mm. happened for 70 Mm. years in in this example from DeAndre is it going to happen now because it needs to I think there's been a lot of conscious effort from a lot of people certainly in the UK for a long time to not say anything racist but I think the thing that hasn't been tackled is those racist thoughts and subconscious thoughts that are there in society and the way that they're treated 
differently hasn't really moved too far and that it should have done you know I think we were all in agreement on that but how do you go about making such a titanic shift with society this movement helps speaking out helps awareness helps but there's something more ingrained in this that that needs to be solved and I I don't know where the answer is but we're all going to try and this enough is enough message I think is one that so many people are on board with. I think the big thing that's come out of this as well is that we're not just going to be posting a, a black square saying that we of course come together for this it's about education I have seen so much on Twitter on Instagram with people not just posting a black square and then going back to their normal lives but really sitting down and having discussions with family members with their kids really thinking about black history Mm. and and why we need to do this and why we need to educate our children and our children's children Um, it's not just about standing by and saying yes I support this I'm anti-racist I'm going to be better it's about making sure that you do that there have been lots of books that have been tweeted and instagram lots of articles as well so i think it's just making sure Mm -hmm. that we keep on top of it read it and remind ourselves of this all the time and speaking up as well if we see or hear anything because i think you know when we've looked at what's happening in the u.s and police over there we know that profiling happens here too and i think if you're ever subject to witnessing anything like that and you happen to be driving by or you happen to be there at that moment it is important to speak out. And that's something that I've taken on board. And like you said, Hayley, I think most families have sat down and chatted this week. I know that we have done in my household. And we've all been really sad. I think it's been a really difficult week for everyone. And I think it's been a difficult time anyway. And this has just really hit hit home for a lot of people. Well, it's been a difficult series of decades. And that's the point, isn't it? It isn't about an incident at an England game against Bulgaria or at Stamford Bridge. It's about recognising that this is decades, years upon years of institutionalised racism. And it is about Um, action. And it is about activism too, and us all taking responsibility. So I hear you too. I really do. And I think it, it is up to each and every one of us to think about how we do that. I never learned about black history at school. And I'm really sorry for that. Because you know, I've had to go and educate myself beyond that. And I know it's different nowadays. But we must each take our own responsibility. One other thing I wanted to point out was how passionate uh, demonstrators have been about this to to do it at this time, you know, when we're meant to be social distancing, but that's unavoidable. But this issue is more important than that. And, that, and you know, when you've seen the reports that have come, come out about coronavirus uh, related to BAME backgrounds as well and how they're at higher risk the amount of people that have come together because that's how important this is. Um, They're actually putting their lives at risk in a way. Again, you know, uh, when does it end? When does it end? Okay, well, I want to finish up by saying that it's important that we use our platform here at the Offside Rule too. It's not good enough not to say anything just because as white people we're scared to say the wrong thing. Racism and unconscious bias of race is wrong. It's abhorrent and we need to recognise that this fight is exhausting for black people who live with racism day in and day out. The negative imagery from news coverage to advertising billboards and boardrooms, the underrepresentation of black people in so many areas of life and livelihoods and the world in which we're trying to raise our kids. It needs to stop now, today, together. We need to unite and recognise that we're all responsible for the sweeping change that's needed in society. We need to check ourselves, all of us, listen and learn. To our black colleagues and friends, we stand with you. We support you.
Okay, well, let's get stuck into today's topics by talking Project Restart. As we were discussing earlier, it feels really exciting. Not long to go, less than two weeks out now from D-Day, Wednesday, 17th of June. Uh, We're going to see Arsenal travel to Man City and Villa host Sheffield United as the Premier League gets back underway, both on Sky. But, Lindsay, you suggested this. It's got us thinking about which sides will actually be coming back um, after that uh, extended suspension of play in the best shape. So as we approach the final nine games of the season, who might be looking better than they did do in March and which ones uh, could be in worse shape, which ones could do with a boost? As ever, we'll start with the bad news first. So, Lindsay, who are you worried about? Well, I'll have to say I'm, I'm choosing Wolves, my own team, and that isn't from a fan position. It's because neither of you took them. And I think someone has to take Wolves when they have played the fewest players over 29 matches. So they've only used 20 over 29. And so the fewer players used, the obvious knock-on of that is that when you're playing such extensive matches, we've seen the uh, the injuries that have been accumulating in Germany uh, in the Bundesliga. You have to think that those with the shortest squads are going to be affected the most. So that's my concern for Wolves but I can't the bringing the fan back in and bringing what I know about the club back in I can't make it wholly negative because there are a couple of positive spins on it Wolves actual injury record has been fantastic if you look at last season alone in 2018-19 they picked up just five injuries in the entire season Um, and then there's Adama Traore who had been suffering from this shoulder injury before lockdown twice it had halted his progress he'd been having a fantastic season and you just think well this lockdown and time to recover will have been great for him and wow that will frighten anyone coming up against Wolves if they have Traore in form but maybe another point of note is Jimenez. Um, He has got a baby with his partner due in July. I think he could potentially miss a couple of matches um, and that would be a big miss for Wolves up front. And then the backup, you know, you've got a lot of very young players that haven't got much experience that have been drafted in because of these potential eventualities and the five substitutes. Uh, Jordao, Oscar Burr, Max Kilman, Podence that came in. None of them have really lit, lit up yet. Unlike Neto, for instance, who was a young player that came in and has got regular first team football. So you wonder how they're going to they're going to fare. Um, so I will give a cautionary note to Wolves fans that, you know, it could be an interesting time. Mm. I'm going to wade in with Bournemouth, uh, not just because they're by the sea. Uh, they currently sit in the final relegation spot on goal difference. They've only won two matches in 2020. Aaron Ramsdale, their goalie, had a positive coronavirus test. He's back, though. Um, David Brooks also back, which is a big boost to support Josh King and Callum Wilson. But there's quite a bit of uncertainty around Ryan Fraser, who um, I think we can probably agree hasn't really performed to his potential this, this season. The big test, I think, is in the middle of Bournemouth's upcoming run. They've got uh, United away, Tottenham home, Leicester home, Man City away. If they don't pick up any points from that batch of games, it could basically kill their season completely, especially if they get nothing at Wolves and then at home to Newcastle before. So there's a lot riding on it. Um, The five subs rule um, could scupper them as they've got very limited defensive options. So, you know, difficulty with backup yet there. And uh, they're unused players this season. Um, I think I'm unconvinced by yet. They don't look up to scratches 
as far as I can take a generalising sweep at them. Callum Wilson, the other concern as well in terms of he's very susceptible to injuries. He's their top scorer with eight. If he goes, then they're in real trouble. So, yeah, I'm definitely worried about Bournemouth. Hayley? I'm a little bit worried about Newcastle because this, of course, is a team at the moment just desperately waiting for news on a takeover. So they're a team as well who rely very heavily on the Northeast faithful pretty much as their 12th man, uh, particularly during this time of uncertainty right now. They're going to need these fans more than anything. So an empty St. James's Park is going to be very, very strange. They're a, they're a club, as I mentioned, who are just waiting for this uh, huge takeover. Maybe a deal might be done by the time this goes out. Who knows? But it's been going on for so long now. It's um, a bit of a nightmare. They're sitting just eight points clear of the relegation zone. Um, They've obviously got nine games left. They've got that FA Cup quarterfinal game against Manchester City. They don't have a massively big squad. It's been three months since um, Alan Sam Maximan got that goal, of course, against uh, Southampton in their last competitive game. He needs to make sure he can keep that up. Danny Rose hasn't exactly set St James's alight, but they're going to need him at the moment. However, his contract um, with Newcastle on loan uh, comes to an end in June, so they're going to need to have discussions with Spurs about keeping him on that little bit longer. We know that Paul Dummett, who wasn't even included in the Premier League squad because he wasn't going to be fit enough, is now fit. He could come back. Whether they'll be able to get him back in the squad, who knows? Um, At the moment, legally, he wouldn't be allowed to. They're struggling to score. They've got the same goals. Um, or same goals for as bottom side Norwich and the teams around them score on average over um, yeah they basically scored over 10 more so far this season doesn't take a great deal of analysis to work out that Joel Linton um, hasn't exactly found it easy since joining Newcastle you just wonder how the break uh, has done for him he was of course brought in to to, to fill the shoes of Salomon Rondon who, who left but he's got just one Premier League goal and just two assists in that time so as far as having goal scores I think they're going to really really struggle I think they're going to be missing as I mentioned their fans what's the situation if the takeover happens will they try and bring Pochettino in straight away or is that just bang out of order gosh I mean who knows it would it feels wrong doesn't it on on kind of the back of the pandemic and everything else going on people struggling and people trying to get their head around stuff to then ship in a new manager I think just finish with the season, get it over and done with, get it out the way and completely try and start fresh. New manager, Mm. new owners, bringing in obviously some fresh new players and hoping, I don't think they're going to get relegated, but they're not exactly sitting in, in, in an amazing position at the moment. All right, let's go to the positives then. Who's going to come back looking perhaps better? Lindsay? I think West Ham, potentially, although I always get a little nervous when I tip them for good things. Because <laughs> do you remember when I said they might come in the top top eight of the table or the top ten at one point and then they finished in relegation places? So, um, so I am a bit nervous about it. But what I would say is there were a few encouraging signs before all of this happened. If you remember the, the load of chances that they had against Arsenal, I think they'd started to hit on something good after David Moyes had been under a lot of criticism. And then I've been on Sky sports on um, on where you work Haley. there's an article looking at statistically who's got the easiest running out of the bottom six and 
West Ham come out on top. So I've I've extensively looked at that article and then looked at the injury boosts that David Moyes is going to get too. So lockdowns allowed Yarmolenko, Wilshire, and Fredericks. Fredericks I rate very highly as well, I have to say. Uh, time to recover. So you're going to get those three players back, big players. So I, I just wondered, just being out of the bottom three on goal difference, if this could be the turning point and West Ham climb a little bit further up the table. Okay, well, I'm going to go Spurs, perhaps slightly odd given how they've underperformed this season. They're currently an eighth ahead of rivals Arsenal. But, of course, Harry Kane is back and Son, well, he was outstanding in military service. I'm sure he'll carry that over to the Premier League. He's also back. Uh, They've got loads of midfield options, haven't they? Uh, And Dombele and Bergwijn stand out in that selection. Um, Their goal scoring and making stats from players off the bench is better than Wolves and Sheffield United, who sit just above above them in the table so in terms of depth of squad players coming off the bench that's better Um, and with the five subs rule well they could really come into their own um, if that goes through I think Spurs's run is kinder compared to Man U Sheffield United and Leicester as the teams above them in the table as well Uh, there's one crucial match though uh, the North London derby it's going to be a big one to look forward to Um, and it could be played at a neutral venue which is interesting the only downer I think on Tottenham is that under Jose Mourinho Spurs have only won three league matches in 2020 and to get into the European spots that's not going to be good enough is it Um, but by purely looking at squad depth Spurs definitely have my vote for coming back stronger Hayley yeah, I'm going with a similar theme in terms of depth of squad, but for many other reasons as well. Leicester City. I mean, come on, they're in a win-win. No one could have predicted the season that Leicester were going to have again. You've got Jamie Vardy, who was just back fit before their final game, and he's had plenty more time um, to continue with his uh, rehabilitation and fitness, and he's raring to go. He's a leading scorer. He's got 19 goals. He's just about to hit 100 goals in England's top tier, so he'd be desperate to get back into goals scoring action. Um, They've also, of course, got two players who know each other very well, Ben Chilwell and Jadon Sancho is currently out of Borussia Dortmund, who've been communicating quite a lot. And um, yes, Sancho's been speaking to Ben all about how he's been preparing for the Bundesliga's return. And he's been feeding that back to Leicester as well and to Brendan Rodgers. So they've been passing on information there. And he said, yeah, I speak to Jadon a lot. He's been in training for five weeks in the Bundesliga. I've been picking his brains on what they've been doing over there. So they've got that little bit of ammo up their sleeve. They're obviously desperate to finish in the top four, get back to playing in, in Europe again. They've just got nothing to lose. No pressure on, you know, some of the teams around them, like Manchester United, for example, who Champions League football, you know, they heavily rely on that. You obviously mentioned depths of squad. When it comes to substitutes off the bench and squad rotation, no team does this better than Leicester. No club has seen players from the bench provide more goals and assists than Leicester City. That's 12 goals have been scored or assisted by City substitutes. And that's three more than the next best side with Manchester City. So there you go. Well, it's um, it's going to be exciting, isn't it, to see it all get going. Not long to go now. Uh, we mentioned the BBC and free-to-air. Amazon, too, have gone that way. They're four fixtures free-to-air as well, so even more good news. Uh, next up in the pod, though, what is the meaning behind the Wednesday in Sheffield Wednesday? Hello.
Okay, so why Wednesday? This one inspired by Sheffield Wednesday, who celebrated their 200th anniversary this week. Well, the cricket club that eventually formed the football club that we recognise today did anyway. Uh, But have you ever stopped, ladies, to wonder why their Wednesday and not, say, Sunday? I mean, it's a valid question, isn't it? Uh, Well, it turns out that Wednesday was the day off or half a day off uh, for the founder members of the cricket club, as well as many of the working classes at that time. So it became uh, the day off for cricket matches. They were called the Wednesday Cricket Club originally. Um, The name or the Wednesday bit carried over to the football club. And as you may remember from a previous show, the reason they branched out into football was to keep their players fit in winter. So that's Sheffield Wednesday sewn up. But what about some other clubs? Uh, Weird and wonderful names and where they came from, Hayley. Well, what about Tottenham? Where did they get the name Spurs? Well, again, it was another cricket football link. Hotspur is an homage to the homage to the Shakespearean character Harry Hotspur Mm -hmm. in real life. Sir Henry Percy, who lived in the area in the 1300s. So it goes all the way back uh, to then. And when I was reading up on that, someone had uh, written about the history saying the 1300s are also the last time they beat Arsenal. Uh, Now, Tottenham was eventually added to the name to represent the district, of course, and distinguish the football club from the cricket club. So there you go. Excellent. Well, I'm going to bring forward Crew Alexandra. Alexandra not having anything to do with Crew. So where does it come from? Well, like Sheffield Wednesday and Hayley, you're absolutely right with these football cricket links. They separated from the cricket club to form Crew Football Club. And the Alexandra comes from Princess Alexandra, wife of Edward VII, eldest son of Queen Victoria. Plus they played at the Alexandra Recreation Ground. I'm going to jump in with Black Country Roots. I've gone for a Black Country Club and um, it's different sporting heritage. Um, and I know a lot of them are, are linked with cricket clubs, but on this occasion, Kidderminster Harriers are linked to athletics and rugby. In 1877, a group of young men formed a running club. Many of the athletes also played for Clarence Rugby Club. And so they made the two amalgamate and it was Kidderminster Harriers. And that's how they were born. Um, my other one to jump in is Leighton Orient, who have got this connection with cricket it goes way back to 1881 now this is a club Leighton Orient that have changed their name six times in history so they were originally formed by members of Glynn Cricket Club Uh, they changed to Eagle Cricket Club and then to Orient Football Club in 1888 and it was a suggestion apparently from one of their players Jack Deering who worked on the Orient Stream Navigation Company so that's where that came from that link with Orient and then 1898 they actually changed to Clapton Orient Orient to represent the area of London that they played in at that time. 1937, they moved to Leighton, became Orient again in 1966, <laughs> then reverted back in 1987. So that brings us up to present day, Leighton Orient. A club of many identities, Leighton Orient. Um, Plymouth Argyle, this isn't entirely clear, by the way, as to where the Argyle comes from. Story one is that the club's named after the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders, an army regiment with a strong football side. Story two, and the one that I'd like to be true anyway, that there's a pub nearby in Plymouth called the Argyle Tavern where the founder members might have met. Um, Story three is sort of the most boring, innocuous, unclear one and we'll never really know whether it's true or not. Um, Within six years of the club's formation, nobody could remember where Argyle came from, um, uh, according to history reports that I've read through. And many think it was just because it was plucked out of thin air. They had a couple of names to choose from, apparently, completely randomly, one being Argyle and the other one being Pickwick, named after the Charles Dickens novel, Pickwick Papers. Uh, Mainly, though, it's thought that the Argyle name was 
was chosen um, because it was a suitably upmarket name for the club who perceived themselves to be members of decent social standing, middle class, um, as was the middle class Argyle Terrace in Plymouth. So there you go. Hayley, a couple more to round up with. Yeah, well, mine aren't exactly um, where the name came from, but what they were named before. Now, Everton, pretty simple, okay? Everton Football Club represents the area where Everton play, but I love the name that Everton were called before, and I think it's a real shame that they're not called this now. St. Domingo FC. I mean, how cool is that? I feel like we're in Spain or South America. Um, Yeah, they began as um, St. Domingo FC in 1878 when they were formed. Yeah, many people who weren't attending St. Domingo's Chapel, which was, of course, the local church for which the club was named, were interested in joining a football club. So it was decided that the name should then be changed. So that's why they didn't want it named the same as the church. They needed to distinguish between the two. But I I love that name. And another name that I quite liked, um, Stoke City are, of course, Stoke City, but they were called Stoke Ramblers. There you go. That was the original team name. They were formed by a group of apprentices at North Staffordshire Railway in Stoke-upon-Trent, of course, and the Stoke Ramblers was basically a group of um, walkers, cricket players, footballers, and, um, yeah, basically men who loved playing sport and decided that football was going to rule the roost and they were just simply going to be called Stoke City. Really interesting. Thanks, Hayley. Um, All right, well, uh, our football history books have been updated. I've taken notes. Uh, Now it's time to own up to some silliness. Okay, well, our third topic, it's all gravy. Um, It probably isn't all gravy, to be honest, Uh, and it certainly wasn't for Owen Coyle, who revealed on the Football Daft podcast recently that he accidentally served the St Johnston chairman a cup of gravy rather than a cup of coffee when he interviewed for a job to step up into coaching. Love that story. Uh. Uh, It didn't stop him from getting the job, by the way. Um, So I just want to know about stupid, silly mistakes that you've made in front of a footballer or someone in the footballing industry, or maybe uh, someone's made one around you. Uh, You can anonymise as you wish. Hayley. Where do we start? You hardly have any, Kate, but I have a very long list of blunders. I've I've done all sorts. I've fallen over, haven't I, in front of the whole Manchester United squad, which I've mentioned before in a previous podcast. We'd all had a few drinks. It was in Rome. They'd lost the Champions League final. I fell over and the whole team managed to see my bum. Luckily, (laughs) half the squad left that summer. um, And (laughs) I then went to go and work for Sky, so I never had to see them again. But the last thing they saw of me was laid... (laughs) flat out on the dance floor with a wrap over dress the last thing they saw of you was peachy yeah basically yeah yeah. I have obviously when you work for a football club you're dealing with kind of the same players the same names over and over and I remember working for Sky Sports News and having to um, interview Stephen Fletcher and called him Darren Darren Fletcher that was live on air because I just had Darren in the head Mm, you do though don't you (laughs) little slip of the tongue and I didn't even know I'd said it he just kind of looked at me and went um Stephen, I was like, I know you, Stephen. He's like, uh, you called me Darren. I was like, oh God, this is just awful. Stop me, just shoot me now. I don't like this. 
<laughs> Do you know what? I, I, I just, as you say, Hayley, haven't really got many. And I think it's not because I don't make them. It's probably just because I pretend to be so professional that I'd never admit to making them anyway or that people would be <laughs> perhaps worried about pointing them out to me for fear that I might be all, all pointy-toity with them. One moment of of you know joy when we sort of think about presenters messing up or silly stuff happening to presenters and and it does it happens to us all there have been a couple of, of occasions at sky where god bless the makeup artists they're normally brilliant but there was one particular one who just loved something called was it called like sunset blush or something anyway it was quite a dark face <laughs> powder and I am not like I am as fair as anything okay uh, and and I'm often either made to look like a ghost or made to look ridiculous and I, I remember presenting a couple of bulletins looking rather orange with a very pale neck uh, so I'm sure I've looked hilarious um, sometimes as well but the moment I loved remember when Nick Collins Hayley your colleague your former colleague at Sky Sports fell off a ladder live <laughs> he was doing a piece to camera um, a live hit from outside Wembley ahead of an England game and he just toppled off his ladder, toppled off his stool, whatever it was, and it all happened live on air. And just those kind of um, purely basic, physically funny moments always get me. Yeah, I, I, I can't even like Haley start to wonder where to begin because things like that spring to mind. I've, I've done lives from down the side of Vicarage Road at Watford, which is very narrow. And the presenter behind literally nearly, they sent me a message afterwards saying I nearly shouted because I thought you were just going to get run over um, <laughs> because they come in the background. You can't see it, obviously, for no eyes in the back of your head and don't realise how close they come until it's breathing on you as you're still trying to talk and carry on. And then I've had, you know, all sorts of weather as well to contend with with rain and wind at a certain angle I mean someone took a photograph of me uh, presenting at Stoke City and the Britannia Stadium um, as it was then everyone remembers how bad that exposed corner is and it just looked like I was in in a tornado um, have you so, ever been done by the um you know the person who hoses cleans the cars in Chelsea's car park have you ever been done by them when you're doing a live Lindsay I always remember that this guy with a huge hose just seemed to wash the cars as I was trying to get this report away it happened to me so many times there we'd have to, oh, tell him just to switch you. off his hose and just you know weekly I'd be sprayed with with little bullets of water as he was desperately trying to wash his cars and I was desperately trying to get my report done. I think I would sum up most of my examples with one word and it's awkwardness and it and it is to do with either language, miscommunication in, in terms of misinformation sometimes and I'll run through a couple. So last, last summer in France at the Women's World Cup, everyone heard and I'd seen some text messages and messages overnight about how great the viewing figures had been for the England match the day before and so I get in the lift and there's loads of lionesses including Jill Scott in the lift and I just went great figures and she just gestured to her body (laughs) in in the only way that Jill Scott does and I just realized I needed to say more than just great figures um to be able to get that point across and then there's this clip as well of of at Spurs, Mauricio Pochettino coming out and I was at open training and he came and he gave me a hug and a kiss. And unfortunately, this was caught by somebody from your colleagues, I think, at Sky Sports got a little clip of me looking really awkward because I didn't know he was going to go for a kiss. And then there's this awful moment when I'm not sure which cheek he's going for and it's just really clumsy. So that I know got sent to one of my friends who then showed it me. I felt quite embarrassed by that one. So little things like being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, And one other with the women's football, I do distinctly remember 
I was working for Whisper Films um, doing the England-Wales match, which was at Rodney Parade. And I was given an instruction to be at one end of the pitch at full time to do some interviews. And I went there and looked up and realised I'd been told the wrong end of the pitch and I had to sprint across. <laughs> and they literally were going live. It was like in my ear, I got my earpiece in and they're like 10, <laughs> 9 and I'm running across. Running. <laughs> so yeah, it's just things like that. But there's probably so many like Hayley says. Yeah, oh, well, tales of embarrassment and athleticism if you're Lindsay Hooper. Uh, we've told them we are now cleansed of them. It's time to finish up on any other business. <laughs> Okay, so any other business at the time in the podcast where we bring you some short stories all related to football that you might have missed in the week. Hayley, where are you going? We were chatting about all the amazing things or the amazing ways that we could be fans of football without being in the stadium. And guess what? That movie style driving actually happened in Germany. And you know what? It went down brilliantly. It's based, of, isn't it? Yeah, hundreds of cars from FC Michelin surrounded the you know, the, the stadium. There were players um, inside the stadium whilst all the fans were on the outside in their cars, sitting back with their refreshments, tuning into the commentary and um, everything else on, on their radio, looking up to big screens and, um, yeah, basically having the time of their lives. 2,000 parking spaces are made available and uh, I think well over 2,000 turned up and they were there with horns beeping, flags flying. It was all very American, but definitely idea. worked. And I... I, I I'd love to see that here, honestly, yeah. I really would. Well done, Denmark, for that. Good news, guys, surrounding getting more women into the game for you. The number of female referees in English football, it's been revealed this week, has increased by 72% since 2016. Um, this is from the FA, who say there are now well over 2,000 women refereeing across all levels of sport. In the Women's Super League specifically, 63% of games were officiated by a woman. That's up 20% over four seasons. Mm. Um, the FA has also found uh, that 98.3% of decisions in W. USL matches in 2019 to 2020 were correct. That's according to a new match official evaluation system. So good news there for women and refereeing in general. Lindsay? Football news you may have missed. If you're a Southampton fan, you probably haven't. But the rest of us, it might have passed us by. Ralph Hasenhutl signed a new four-year deal. So that's going to keep him at the club until 2024. An example of really turning things around because they went through that really bad patch early on in the season, um, then suddenly went on a really good spell, which moved them up the table drastically. And he's now been given that assurance that he's going to be the man there until 2024. That is good news for Southampton indeed, um, as is um, the uh, news that Shane Long has signed on for another couple of years at the club, another two-year contract for him, so excellent. Um, I'm going to finish up with another bit of good news. We've been nominated, ladies, for a Football Content yes. Award, and you can get involved too, dear listeners. Our WSL edition podcast is in the Best in Women's Football category. Um, it's under Small Business. You can vote for us and a whole host of your other football favourites by heading over to our Twitter. There are details there of how you can vote or you can head over to footballcontentawards.com. Full details there. We would really appreciate your vote, um, particularly because we've had a roller coaster season with our WSL show, nearly losing it, finding a sponsor in Football Manager and it being rescued. It's on hold at the moment, of course, um, as women's football has been um, called time on for this season. But um, all things going well, it should be back, and we would really appreciate your support. So footballcontentawards.com for details on how to vote. All right, well, that's all for this week, ladies. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, let us know what you think or leave a review on iTunes. How do they do that, Hayley McQueen? 
they basically go, well, you, the listener, basically goes and clicks on five star. Four, three, two, one, and leaving it blank doesn't exist. And you just write something <laughs> wonderful and lovely about all of us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You can find us at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Um, some good articles, by the way, on the website. As I mentioned last week, you've been speaking to players. There's also some great review pieces as well. A couple of people have been writing about particular clubs at particular moments in time. And it makes for really interesting reading. Um, anything lined up for the weekend, Hayley Lindsay? Oh God, it's the weekend coming up, is it? I have no idea. Uh, do you know, actually, yeah, this is my last weekend before I head back to work, so I'm going to go wild at home. <laughs> go wild. <laughs> pool party in Ayla's paddling pool. Oh, I will be socially distancing for a baby shower in a garden as one of my best friends is due to give birth in July. So I'm taking some afternoon tea up there. Don't I hope she's not listening to this before I go. So I'm taking some afternoon tea and some gifts and things. And yeah, there'll be a few surprises. That sounds like a very lovely afternoon indeed. Well, to all our listeners, hope you are well, coping okay. And uh, take care until we see you next week. Bye. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Muddy Knees Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.